Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, COVID on the court, in the rink, and on the field. But the NFL won't stop for Omicron. Former 49ers quarterback Steve Young. The NFL is going to play ball. You saw that last year where the Denver Broncos didn't have any quarterbacks. They still played. From the arenas to the hospitals and testing centers with pathogen preparedness expert Dr. Syra Madan. I think right now we're still in the emergency phase of this pandemic. And so we should use all the tools at our disposal. We should couple it with testing. Plus, our supply chains fried. Seriously. You're not going to be able to get those French fries in some places. It's Tuesday, 12-21-21. I think it might be one of those really short days. Unfortunately, it's still 24 hours, or fortunately, I guess. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And Joe, you got to look at this optimistically. You need every hour of those days, whether they be dark or not, because you have so much to do before the holidays, like me. So anyway, much fun. My brother. Right. Yeah, my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Rob, and happy winter solstice, everybody. Days get longer from here on, from here on out. Every day, I, I heard that wacky uh, Bill Walton, who is like, woo. Uh, I don't know what's left up there from all the Grateful Dead concerts, but uh, that's, he said that the other, greatest day of the year. And it the guy is. said, is it? Because yeah, we get longer because, from here. Yeah, the days get longer, it gets sunnier from here, and you can look forward to it all the way through June, and then you don't even realize when June hits because it's not until about September or October that you really realize it as things start to get a little cooler. That appeals to oh, me. Oh, yeah, it's been getting darker. Me it's too. Like me too. All Wednesday is the best day because it's close to Friday but far from Monday. This is the best day because it's it's the summer's not over it's it hasn't even yes. started in fact we're only we're not even okay i got it i love this day you're right thank I you do too this is a perfect day meantime uh, making headlines this morning the cdc now reporting that uh, omicron is now the dominant covid strain in the united states it's uh, making up 73 percent of sequenced cases meantime the most recent data showing the delta makes up an estimated 26.6% of sequenced cases. And Johns Hopkins University reports the United States has a seven-day average of about 130,000 daily cases as of Sunday. That's up 7% from the past two weeks. Now, President Biden scheduled to address the nation today, outlining some new steps in the fight against COVID. Ahead of that speech, a senior administration official telling reporters the Biden administration will open federal COVID testing sites in New York City this week. The White House also planning to buy 500 million at-home rapid tests. Americans will be able to order those online for free starting next month. Among other measures expected to be announced today, the government will activate about 1,000 military medical personnel to support hospitals, Joe. But um, the issue of rapid tests has been one we've talked on this broadcast about for probably now more than a year um, the White House for a very long time has scoffed at the idea of providing free rapid tests. Of course, last month uh, they decided to effectively press insurance companies to pay for them. Uh, lots of folks said that's not enough. Uh, these tests are still costing somewhere the order of seven, ten, fifteen dollars if you can even get your hands on if them. If you can get, so, if you uh, can get one, yeah. but you if can. You can if you can even get your hands on them, so uh, this this move should help. Uh, Five hundred million is actually a real number, but again, think about how many people are in the country. It effectively means that everybody could take one like one and a half times. I was going to say, how do they, you look at the stores and they sell out there. How are they going to be maintaining this where people aren't paying anything? It seems like a pretty tricky um, path to navigate to make sure people aren't hoarding them all. I, uh, 
got a crash course in how hard it is just to get through to a, a human being at a CVS or, or any of those places. I, I spent, you know, it's for, before Thanksgiving, you got, you know, 92-year-old mother-in-law, and, and you, you know, you want to do all that you can. And uh, I, I spent the entire, I, I finally just said, you know what, I, I'm just going to have to mask or do just whatever, because it's not going to happen for me. You had some, Becky. I probably could have uh, hit you up for I told for you. A I, yeah, you didn't tell me until afterwards. I told you I'd give it to you. I know, but but I can tell you, it, it's uh, you can spend the entire day trying and, and be unsuccessful uh, at this point. That's probably not a good idea. When they make the decision on New Year's Eve out here, I don't know. That's the, well, they said before Christmas, but if you're going to make a decision before Christmas, I think the only decision could be no, unless you're going to wait and see what happens over the next several days, right? Like, how can yeah. you make a decision on how you know things are going to be at least seven or eight days in advance when things are changing this quickly? You think I should open up the the side door for the bathroom in case people need to? Uh... <laughs> Well, we know that it no. might be useful given what I've seen outside that That's door. That's what I mean. You think there'll probably be a line. Probably be a million people line. Maybe, but we'll let's keep it closed, Mac. Keep it closed for now. Look out, guys. Just when you thought things were getting better, the global supply chain constraints are starting to show up in some pretty unexpected places. You're not going to be able to get those French fries in some places. McDonald's outlets in Japan are going to stop selling medium and large size French fries for a week because of delays they've had in potato shipments. So look out. You guys better, better get out there and store up now. I saw that article. You put a man on the moon, but we can't. I can't they're rationing fries. They're rationing. No, but we can, we can agree that, you know, I know we have our, our thing about Chipotle versus Taco Bell, but we can agree those are the best French fries around, right? Yes. All three of us? Thin, Some, crispy, can we please? salty, yes. I like what Wendy's has done a good job. Come, they're, 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 they're better. They're better. And they, no, they, they're not. They're not. Can't, can't, no, they're better than they were. Win. They're better, oh, than, better they than they were. were. Yeah, but they're not better than McDonald's fries. What I don't like are the fries that you sometimes get at a, like a restaurant where they're, you can tell they're not cut from potatoes. They're like sort of reconstituted. They're a lot like that. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah, they're, really? they're not nearly as good. But where I they can cut de- from if they're not cut from potatoes. No, they're cut from potatoes, but they're not like actually cut. They're they're oh, composted. Oh, not slices. They're like yeah, yeah oh, they're, they're like chicken nugget fries. Right. I, I mean, I can see that, that there should be. You shouldn't be able to get like two large fries with a sandwich. No yeah. one should eat that. Really, that's bad. That's bad. You need anything in moderation, right? Don't you think? Really? Sure. Well, just about anything. There's some things maybe not. How about the, the, the front? Well, we shouldn't keep talking about this, I don't think. How about the ones that are like julienne? That they got little, curly, you like? Those are pretty good. Fries. Or the ones with old, base, with old base seasoning on them. How about chili cheese fries with a shot of, like, tequila? That's right, probably not. The spicy, fry, spicy fries from shrimp. Arby's, actually. There you, you go. Those? See? Yeah. yeah. I don't know those. And you're okay. expanding your... That might beat McDonald's. Might. I love McDonald's. But My that's like a specialty fry. French fried shrimp. Just it, it, Wendy's has made strides. That's all I'll say. Coming up, the game must go on. A spike in cases among NFL players won't stop the league season. Former 49ers quarterback and current entrepreneur Steve Young on the sport's new testing strategy. The only way to think about it is a pandemic that's now uh, going on to year three, maybe, and then how to best manage it. Certainly doesn't feel like it's a, a political issue. It's really more just health and safety of the players. More Squawk Pod right after this. 
Welcome back to Squawk Pod. This week, the COVID surge is taking a toll on sports. The National Hockey League is pausing its season, various college basketball games are postponed, and the NFL is rescheduling many of its own games and changing its strategy to handle rising cases. After more than 100 football players tested positive last week, the league is now taking a more targeted approach to testing. Fully vaccinated, asymptomatic players and staff are no longer subject to weekly testing. Unvaccinated players will still be subject to daily tests. Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin consider this new approach this morning. Here's Joe. Andrew, you're going to talk to, uh, it's kind of cool, Steve Young. What a great uh, quarterback yep. in, that, in that, that whole interview. But the NFL, it's, yep. I don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's weird, isn't it? If you're asymptomatic uh, and, you're, and you're totally vaccinated, you don't have to test as much. And then they, they can actually, did you read that, Andrew? How, if it, if yep. you score a certain amount that shows that you're non-contagious, right. you're, allowed, you're allowed to play. Because so many asymptomatic, triple-vaxxed guys were, right. like everybody was testing positive so that you, they could delay. But is this a good thing or is it, well, can look, it slip through the I cracks? I understand both sides of it. Yeah. When I first I, when I first read the news, my instinct was to say, "Hold on, this seems like it doesn't make sense." But they have resources. I mean, we talk about here testing. They have resources. That is, the NFL has resources that the average American has does not. In fact, just most people don't to the type of testing they're even doing to be able to look at those types of numbers in the way that they are. And so. Maybe once you start to say that they're this great experiment and they're actually doing all of this stuff, I'm actually hoping that we might learn a little bit from their experience. Maybe it you works, know, maybe it doesn't, it, but hopefully in a couple of weeks we will know. It is complicated, though, Andrew. And, and I'll tell you, this is why people grapple with it. So, okay, so you're asymptomatic and you're triple vaxxed. So you could still give it to someone, but if you're giving it to someone who's asymptomatic, triple vax, they're probably asymptomatic. So you, then you're back to worrying about giving it to someone who's unvaxxed, who's not going to be there anyway because they're, un, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? It's hard to, it, because it's, the breakthroughs are so common now, it's hard to figure out say, how to it's yeah. part of the transition, though. This is what gets us to the point where it's going to be endemic eventually. And I, I think we're on that path. I don't know if we're there exactly yet because we still don't know how big of a deal this is for right. unvaccinated people or for right. immunocompromised people. And I think those are the concerns. If you have somebody you're still worried about, there are still people who are worried about their kids because kids under age five can't get vaccinated yet either. So there is right. a portion of the population that, that is under. involuntarily unvaccinated. And I do know parents of, of, of kids under five who have raised concerns with it with me recently. That's the so deal, yeah. I, I, yeah, you're still kind of on this path to getting to the endemic right. point. But if you feel fine, I, I know so many people who are frustrated by the rules and how they've come down and by the rules, by the way, the rules have a very hard time with keeping up with things as they're moving on the ground. Um, and, and you can say that on both sides of the argument in terms of still not letting people do things if they're asymptomatic, but also at the same time, what we consider to be fully vaccinated, we know is not fully vaccinated and effective against these new variants either. Joining us to discuss this, and what these policies could mean for the business world is NFL Hall of Famer and HGGC President Steve Young, one of the, uh, the great uh, football players who's transitioned to being an entrepreneur, and Brian Adams, Integrity Marketing Group's co-founder and CEO. 
a company that Steve Young is also the chairman of. They have an announcement uh, this morning, which we're going to get to, that's very, very exciting. Uh, but, Steve, I, I want to start with this issue of what's happening in the NFL. A lot of folks looked at these, this new policy that said basically it's like a, a don't look, don't ask uh, what's happening here. And, and people thought this is crazy. Other people think this is the future. Well, you're, you're, you're calling the game, I think, on Monday. So we'll see how this all goes. Well, I think the biggest issue they have is that there have a lot of asymptomatic positives. And I think from that experience, they're thinking, well, these guys, you know, they could play. Why? Let's have them play. And uh, so I, I just don't know that that's not kind of driving it. Um, it's the, the, the don't ask, don't tell. I don't know how you're going to describe what, what they're trying to do. But look, the NFL is going to play ball. You saw that last year where the Denver Broncos didn't have any quarterbacks. They still played. So the NFL is going to play, and they're going to figure out ways to get as many guys on the field as possible safely. And I, I got to give them a lot of credit. Through the last year, they proved that uh, the innovation in trying to figure out how to get through this tough time and still put uh, the NFL on, uh, on, on TV is, is quite remarkable. So I give them a lot, a lot of credit. I think they're still trying to do the same thing now with Omicron and how to you know, be safe, yet make sure the guys are on the field. But do you think, I mean, I think part of the question gets asked is, are they sending a signal, right? The public looks at the NFL as, as uh, and the players as role models. And to the extent that there is a, and what, the phrase I was looking for was, see no evil, hear no evil. Um, right. You know, let's not, let's not even pay attention to it, at least as of now. Knowing, by the way, that obviously asymptomatic folks can still transmit it to others and there can be community right. spread and the like. How to think about that? I, I, I think it's just as it's kind of the only way to think about it is is a pandemic that's now uh, going on to year three, maybe, and then how to best manage it. So I don't I don't think it's uh, 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 certainly doesn't feel like it's a, a political issue. It's really more just health and safety of the players and how to make right. sure that the ones that are uh, asymptomatic and that uh, and, you know, feel like they can get on the field and go play. I, I think it's working with all the regulatory issues issues of the CDC and everything else within that framework they they're trying to find a way to make sure that people are are healthy that they can be able to play so i right. look you right. ask good questions these are challenges the nfl's had i think this is more the maturity of the of dealing with the pandemic and how they how they find the best way to do it and real quick what are you talking to any players are they is are there any players out there saying you know what i don't like this policy it's still it's still early. I don't. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially as it gets in the winter, and the playoffs. And and you know, I, I, look, what they don't want to do is be in a situation where you can't feel the team in, in in a playoff game. And they were able to get through that last year. Um, and I got to believe that that's a part of what they're trying to do here. Steve, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you this morning beyond uh, COVID and what's happening inside the NFL is an announcement that you folks are making at Integrity uh, that I, I know has surprised a lot of your employees uh, very happily during this holiday season. You just took a big investment uh, from Silver Lake Investments, and uh, some of that money is now ending up in the pocket of a lot of employees and some of whom didn't even realize it. Well, it's I got to, you know, Brian's on with me here, you know, in our uh, portfolio of companies and integrity. We went to Nor uh, Norfolk, Nebraska, where they were uh, located at the time. Now they got a shared services in Dallas, and, and it's grown uh, exponentially from when we invested six or seven years ago. And Brian came to me a couple of years ago and said, "Steve, I, I want our employees. I want them to own the business, and uh, and I want to make some kind of equity grant to them." And it was a, you know, I, you know, a lot of people could say, "Oh, is that the right thing to do?" 
I think my experience from the NFL, the NFL has thrived once they made a partnership with players and owners. Owners and players were always so separate, and there was this big chasm and canyon between them. And when they finally, in about 2000, came together and created a sense of partnership, that's when the NFL has truly thrived. So I, that immediately resonated with me what Brian was trying to do. It makes a lot of sense. And maybe that's the future of, of corporate America is that we start to figure out ways to give equity to the, to the employees. And when Brian wanted to do that, it was $50 million to put it in the pockets of, of the employees. And now here's another $125 million. It just shows you once you do it and you're a growing, thriving business, the employees are the are the ones that really drive the success of the business, and now they can own that success. And I got to give Brian a lot of credit for coming up with that idea. So, Brian, one hundred twenty-five million dollars. You surprised the whole at the whole group. What what did you hear? I, I, I hope I, I hope you have this film somewhere, or is everybody remote at this, this point? No, listen, it's it's been an incredible experience. In fact, I traveled all over the country last week, met with over two thousand of our employees, and shared this news with them in person. Uh, with uh, flying four or five states a day, literally popping in to each one of our offices and sharing this incredible news about this new ownership program. I came to Steve two years ago with this idea uh, of really about just that if we all came together, we could all accomplish more. And we've seen outsized returns with integrity uh, and really this opportunity to be able to share this with our employees is one of the greatest joys that we could ever have. And so uh, we paid out $50 million two years ago, and, that, and then this week we're paying out $125 million to all of our employees uh, to really help them share in the success of what we're building here. And that's 5,500 employees that are sharing in, in the, the $125 million. It, yeah, so, uh, my other, so every, the, the flip side of this question I was going to ask is we're, we're talking a lot about People, employees who are jumping ship from lots of companies, you know, they call it the great resignation and how you right. actually create more, uh, instill more loyalty rather than less. And I just wonder in this moment, whether, whether this creates more loyalty or do you think there are people who say, you know what, I'm going to take my check. This is great. I'm going to go do something else now. Well, I think what I would say that it absolutely creates more retention and really binds people to the, to the business because Ownership, as anyone understands, you when you sense a sense of ownership, you feel like you're a builder of the business. That you are, in, you know, you can pay someone a bunch of money and be kind of a high-paid, you know, kind of uh, employee, but in the end, they're not actually owners of the business. When you describe ownership, that does not create a sense of oh, I can't wait to get out of here. I made enough money. I think it's more. Look, this is my. You know, people have children. It's like my third child, right? It's like if I have two kids, it's my third. It's like the part of our family. And so that, that's what I've enjoyed watching Brian do is to create that sense of alignment with employees. And that's why, you know, maybe that's the point you're making is that this is, a, this is the moment where the employee uh, incentive uh, plan is, it, it kind of resonates in a, in, a, in a really unique and important right. way. Hey, Brian, this, this is equity. Equity in cash or how does it work? Yeah, so, so we gave everyone equity in our company two years ago. So this is a payout, a part of that equity. And then they have the vast majority of their equity still in integrity. In addition, we decided for every employee who is not part of our program today to grant everyone equity. So now everyone is aligned. All 5,500 of right. our employees now have equity going forward to help us create more value uh, for all of the Americans that we serve. Brian, it's a great holiday story. Uh, we appreciate it. And Steve, great to have you. Uh, don't be a stranger. Look forward to seeing you guys very, very soon. Happy holidays. Next on Squawk Pod. 
Omicron, Delta, look out, there could be more variants to come. Director of Pathogen Preparedness at New York City Hospitals, Dr. Syra Madad. I do think with, you know, the evolution of this virus, we'll probably see more variants in the pipeline in the future. At least we'll be better ready. We'll have more immunity in our population and hopefully it'll preserve hospitalizations and in our hospital capacity. Stand by, Joe. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Here's Mike. Q. President Biden is scheduled to address the nation today, outlining new steps in the fight against COVID. Ahead of that speech, a senior administration official uh, telling reporters that the Biden administration will open federal COVID testing sites in New York City this week. The White House also plans to buy 500 million at-home rapid tests, and Americans will be able to order those online for free starting next month. Join us now. Uh, Dr. Sira Madad, Sr., a director of the system-wide special uh, pathogens program uh, at New York City Health and Hospitals. And uh, doctor, what, what do we know at this point about uh, Omicron? It, it's taking over quickly. Is it possible that the optimistic case could be that it displaces Delta which, with a less virulent strain? Can we hope for that? Well, I think right now what we're seeing is Omicron certainly has dominated the playing field. We're seeing about every three out of four infections are Omicron. So it's it's not only growing explosive, explosively, it's you're seeing a vertical growth um, and it's very concerning. But I am most concerned about those that are unvaccinated. I think as we look at is Omicron going to take over Delta, I certainly do think that's going to be the case. You'll probably see co-circulations of both variants. But at this point, what we know so far about Omicron in terms of is it going to cause more severe illness and death? There are some really good reports coming out, both from South Africa, from UK, and other parts of the world, that's showing that it is a milder variant compared to Delta and the other variants of concern. But we still need some more data. I think what I am just hopeful of is that hopefully, as we're seeing more infections with Omicron, they hopefully won't translate into more hospitalization and, and death. Doctor, is there? Uh Has there been in the past, historically, in in epidemiology, has there been a case where a less virulent uh, strain uh, is sort of the the beginning of the end of a a pandemic? And is there a positive or optimistic scenario that that could result from this, where you did see it displace Delta and burn itself out as as a much less uh, uh, deadly strain of, of COVID? I mean, that's a great question. I think as we look at, is this variant going to cause us to transition into that endemic state? I think if we look at the silver lining with Omicron A first being more transmissible, which is very concerning, but on the other end, perhaps more mild, I will gain much more immunity in our population, hopefully through vaccination, not necessarily through natural infection, because obviously that's putting others at risk for hospitalization, death and long COVID. Um, but I think at least it's going to uh, you know, provide much more immunity in our population. So when we do see another variant, and I do think with you know the evolution of this virus, we'll probably see more variants in the pipeline in the future. At least we'll be better better ready. We'll have more immunity in our population, and hopefully it'll preserve hospital uh, you know hospitalizations and, and our hospital capacity because that's really one of the biggest considerations here. Is how can we ensure that our hospitals do not get over, overwhelmed? Hey, doctor, we were talking to uh, Steve Young about the NFL and their decision uh, this week, effectively to suspend testing of players that. Uh, are vaccinated, boosted, uh, but are asymptomatic. What do you think of that? Um, We were talking not just about the practicalities of that within the league itself, but to the extent that they are a role model for others. 
the signals that that sends? Well, I think first, you know, we're going to see a lot more breakthrough infections. So if you're going to test more, you're probably going to, you know, pick up more more uh, breakthrough infections than those that are fully vaccinated and boosted. The question now becomes, do we want to eliminate all risk of introducing the virus uh, in these settings? I do think that there is a case for that. We want to make sure we are trying to reduce the number of infections um, as well as hospitalization and deaths. So I think right now we're still in the emergency phase of this pandemic. And so we should use all the tools at our disposal. We should couple it with testing. We should try to keep the virus out. We should try to make sure that people are obviously fully vaccinated and they're doing things outdoors if they can, if they are going to do things indoors. Obviously, NFL is very different. It's a high contact sport. So we should continue to apply these risk reduction measures until we're out of the emergency phase of this pandemic. Doctor, I heard some concerning news that um, the PCR tests, or, I'm sorry, not the PCR tests, the rapid antigen tests aren't necessarily picking up on some of these infections quite as quickly. I, I don't know if you've heard that or if you can expound on just how much people should trust the rapid tests at this point. Well, the testing, I think, is a point in time. And so when we look at this new Omicron variant, what we're finding out is that the incubation period is even shorter. So with Delta, with Alpha, it was five days. With Delta, it was four days. We're seeing maybe with this Omicron, it's anywhere from two to three days. And so getting tested, it depends on when you're getting tested. So when you have the exposure, when you're symptomatic, and when you think you've been exposed. So I think it's really important to understand as I mentioned, testing is a point in time. And so doing testing multiple times is going to give you a better indicator whether you're actively infected. Now, right now, the, you know, the recommendation is if you're gathering, you should get tested just a few hours or in that hour before the gathering. Um, but I would do I would recommend that you get tested ahead of time as well. So it'll give you, uh, you know, a better indication of truly whether you are positive or negative. If you do think you've been exposed or if you're symptomatic, I would go with the PCR test. I would not even venture out um, and, and go to these gatherings, because you obviously have a, a, you know, a higher suspicion here. And doctor, one of the other things we've all been talking about is this 10-day this quarantine period, especially for those that appear to be asymptomatic. They, a lot of folks are saying, this isn't even a health issue, this is a life issue. Do you have a view about whether the policy should change, whether there should be an ability to quote unquote test out or do something else? Well, I think for those that are infected with COVID-19 and have a positive test result and they are they are fully vaccinated, but they've received a booster, I don't think it should be 10 days. I think it should be five days. I think right now we have enough data to show that five days is probably good enough. Um, if we want to be on the safe side, we can you know, couple that with not PCR testing because they can pick up viral remnants or shedding. I would you know, couple that with antigen testing or rapid testing. So rapid testing on day three and day five. And if you're negative, then you should feel confident that you're no longer infectious. Um, but those that are unvaccinated and get infected, I would still say the full 10 days. Um, I think that as we head into obviously the third year of this pandemic, we need to have sustainable public health policy that people are really going to follow and not think that, OK, well, you know, I'm going to stay home for 10 days, even though I've been fully vaccinated. Doctor, would you, uh, if, if you were advising what I, I was going to say, the great uh, the Pfizer and Moderna, I don't want to say that, although I, I really feel that sometimes that, it, 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 I mean, this really is saving the world, obviously. But if you were to advise their researchers right now, would you be focusing on, a, on an Omicron-specific booster? Or would you, would you maybe save your, I, I, you don't need to save it, obviously, but is, is that what we should be doing? Because Delta seems... Like we need to take care of that one as well. I don't know if I would transition the whole program to an Omicron booster at this point. Would you? Well, I do think there's value to you know developing an Omicron specific booster so that way it can help you know prevent more infection. But what we're seeing with just the current boosters that we have that's based on the wild type, 
um, you know, the, the virus that we've been seeing early on, it still provides really good immunity, significant immunity, broad um, immunity and re-stimulates your, uh, you know, immune system. But at the same time, if we want to prevent more infections from happening, we know that a variant-specific booster can accomplish that. So I think it, it can happen in parallel. In the most positive uh, therapeutic that, that you think uh, is in the works, is it the Pfizer um, molecule or whatever it is, the, the Pfizer drug? Yeah. So, you know, as we look at our therapeutics, you know, right now our monoclonal antibodies are certainly taking a hit. As we look at antiviral, you know, treatments, I think Pfizer certainly looks very promising. I'm very eager to see it get, you know, authorized here in the U.S. It's going to add more tools to our toolbox. So I think it's good news on that front. Not very good. All right. Thank you very much, uh, doctor. We'll, we'll stay, stay vigilant, uh, obviously, but I don't know if that, there are some positive, uh, positive things that we can glean from, from what you told us today. Thank you. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. On TV, you can tune in weekday mornings to CNBC at 6 Eastern. This podcast is available wherever you download podcasts. And if you've been a pod listener for a while, first, thank you. Second, tell us about it. Leave a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Send us a tweet at Squawk CNBC. That all helps other listeners discover Squawk Pod. Have a great day, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Becky, what happened? Are you still thinking floss or fries at this point? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying whatever occurs to us, you know, this is kind of a free-flowing show. We go where our minds take us, and that's a pretty messed up place. 